Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. This is episode number 67 as we continue our study in the book of Acts, where we'll be finishing chapter 2. Dakota, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, man. Isn't it an exciting time in our church right now? It Just is. the things that are taking place and how, um, how much excitement and enthusiasm there continues to be. It's been two and a half years now, and things are continuing to progress and to grow, and people are still coming there's visitors every week. Um, you know, we get a few waves of growth, and then in between those waves, we just see slow growth that continues, to, just a slow, steady uphill climb, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and I think sometimes in, in church life, the rhythm of church life, summertime can be a little slow in yep. the sense of people go on vacation, which totally everybody needs to go on they need to rest and go Come on, on I need a vacation. Yeah. Um, but we actually have a lot going on. We do. Uh, this, this month, the month of June, we've had Shade Tree Bible Club going on for two weeks. Uh, we provided a VBS time at, at, in Homewood, and uh, we're also doing things locally in Ottawa to share the gospel. Our youth are being mobilized in that ministry by having a gospel presentation with songs and puppets and missionary stories and all these different things for children. And we've actually had some kids who don't know Jesus, who are hearing it for the first time and are asking tons of questions. And so it's great. we've had that going on. We've got VBS. BS next week. Uh, next week, uh, that's uh, going to kick off, and so it's just been a great time to see ministries that aren't year long ministries. They're they're temporary ones just for summertime, but they're really keeping us busy and for the right reason, which is to share the gospel with people. So it's just been fun to watch our church mobilize, be equipped. Uh, and really just serving the Lord. And it's fun to watch. I This this last week at our church, there's just been tons of people here. There have been. Decorating, getting things ready, materials. I mean, it's just, it's nice to see a church active. busy and active during, during the week. Um, now we want people out in the community during the week as well, uh, not at the church building, but it's nice to s- just sometimes see, man, there's people really working hard and they're doing such good work. It's fun. And even on Sunday... You know, our attendance was not low at all. Uh, both services were around 85% full, somewhere around that number. And that's just exciting because it shows you people are eager to be together. People are eager to hear from the Word of God. People are excited about what's taking place here. You know, there. I honestly believe our, our um, hardest month was May as the school year's ending and all yeah. the banquets and stuff going on. But man, it almost seems like it's picking up now rather than having like a, a summer lull. That's really exciting. If you're listening and you have yet to come and try things out here at Ottawa Bible, first and foremost, we're going to feed you with the word. Then we're going to feed you with a meal in between services. And I think you're going to be fed with uh, good, healthy relationships too. There's a, a buzz and an excitement every Sunday here. So we just invite you. Our services are at, at 9 and 11 with a breakfast in between. We, we'd love for you to come. Yeah, and, and we don't know everybody's context uh, for their life, uh, wherever you're listening to, just uh, around the country, and I know in other places around the world as well. Um, no matter your context, find a church um, that that loves the Word. And maybe you're in a context where that's really difficult to find a church, but being around other believers in some way, being fed, um, and I hope that you can. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today in, in Acts chapter two and their context of the early church and what they're going through and some of the things that they had to do. Yeah. Why don't you pray and then we'll dive in. All right. 
Father, thank you for this opportunity to uh, record a podcast, to talk about your word. Uh, allow this platform to continue. Allow the freedom to uh, produce and to put out your word in this format uh, to be something that we can do for years to come. Um, and uh, just uh, be with us today. Be with our listeners as we continue to grow in who you are through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last episode, we talked about the 3,000 who were saved. They also disassociated from a cursed generation in Jerusalem of Israelites. And then verse 42 last week says, they kept devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to be covering verses 43 to 47. So why don't I just read it, and then we'll go through kind of section by section. This closes chapter two. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I just caught verse 46 starts with day by day. Verse 47 ends with day by day. So this continued responses is quite impressive. So we start with verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Any initial thoughts that you might have as we jump into this very practical passage? Yeah, the power of God's there. Yes. Right? That's what's happening. The <laughs> power on. of God is working through the apostles. Uh, and imagine the excitement. It says awe. They were amazed at what was going on. And so clearly, God was working through his apostles, showing the people who he is, his power, his authority, and the people were just awestruck. Yeah. What an amazing sight. I would have loved to be there in that moment to see what God was doing. People who have doubts or people who don't believe always say, well, how come we don't, we don't see miracles like that today? And where's all the signs and the wonders? And like, you know, why aren't we seeing, seeing healings and stuff? Well, first of all, let me just say, I do believe that stuff is still happening today. I just think it's more discreet. Like it doesn't need to be put on Fox News or CNN because like God doesn't, God doesn't need your... They would twist it anyway. They would twist it anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But God really doesn't need your social media or any of that. God is humble, and He'll do, do things in, in the quiet and in the secret place. Mm-hmm. He, he really doesn't doesn't need to do this out, out loud. Um, something else I want to say is I don't believe on the other end of the table, I don't believe this is as normative as it was in the early church. Because notice whenever you read the scriptures, miracles always come about whenever scripture is being developed. Like if you, if you think about any point in the Bible, whenever the Bible was being written, it was validated with signs and wonders and miracles. Same thing in the New Testament. And whenever you reached a pivotal point in God's salvation plan, God affirmed it through signs and miracles. Right now we're in the church age, but I think we're, personally, I think we're getting close to the end of the church age. And then I think we're going to start seeing more signs, wonders, and miracles um, if you were to be in the post-church age, which would be the resurrection, um, maybe miracles from the extent that God will provide and protect people in the tribulation. I could go on a big tangent about this, but the point is, is I think miracles are more so there to validate the work of God in the early stages of something. 
So does it still happen? Yes. But does it have to be normative? I don't think it has to be normative. Yeah. And then we, we continue there. They see these signs and wonders. They're in awe. And then it starts to talk about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, first, have you ever gone on a, like a trip or vacation or camping or something? And you just didn't want to leave. Like things were happening. It was just a blast. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. you were like, I went on a, I've been on an elk hunting trip and, and, uh, elk just kept bugling and I kept seeing them and I was just excited every day and it came to the end of the week and I hadn't got an opportunity to shoot at one, but they were there and it was exciting and I didn't want to leave and I just wanted to keep going because of how fun it was. And I was in awe of, of what I was around. I was like, why do I have to go back to like regular life? Why can't I just live here in the forest? Yeah. Why can't I just live here in the forest and, yeah. and uh, chase some elk around? Well, we have these believers, at least over 3000, who are in awe of what God is doing way more than elk, even though God made elk and they are amazing creatures. Uh, Let's give the elk some credit. Yeah, they're pretty cool. But (laughs) I mean, and God made them, but this is probably way better and amazing things are happening. These believers are just like, we we can't leave, right? We're gathered together, uh, the saints. And so uh, let's let's see what they do. Let's see what they're doing uh, as the apostles and God are working. It yeah, says 40, in 44, go ahead. and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Yeah. I, I think the scripture clarifies for you here what having all things in common mean I don't, means. I don't think that necessarily has to mean uh, they all had the same interests. Right. No, I, no. I think it means... They all depended on each other to live in a difficult time. Yeah, we have people here, most likely, who don't live in Jerusalem. Right. Right? Right. Because people come to Jerusalem all the time, Mm -hmm. especially during Passover Mm -hmm. um, and and other festivals and different things that go on. And so we have people here sticking around who don't live there, who don't work there, believers, and they're taking care of each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, voluntarily taking care of each other, saying, we're worshiping the Lord, we're going to continue to pray, we're going to continue to fellowship, we're going to continue to grow, And but the reality is they need food, and they need a place to stay, and they need all these things, and all of them are saying, we're going to take care of each other. Yeah, the last phrase, as anyone might have need. Oh, you need this? Hey, brother, I I heard you have need for, you know, an extra... um, you know, bag of flour. Oh, hey, brother, I hear you guys are a little short on water here. Uh, hey, brother, I got some of this crop from my farm. Or, hey, hey, brother, let me take care of you and your family with this. Like, if there was a need, it was met. Right. That's an encouraging environment to be in. It is. It is. And I think some of the things that we've, that have been taken out of context is an argument out of here is, you know, some people think, well, look, Christians should just be, it should just all be one thing and we should gather all of our things and then we should disperse disperse those things right. amongst those who need it. Yeah. It's not what the text is Communal saying. living. There's no command right. to live this way yeah. in the text. This was the believer's willingness yes. to take care of one That's another. Right. If people didn't need something, they didn't they didn't ask for it right. or they didn't need it. They didn't get anything. But if someone did need something and the believers were like, hey, I can meet that need Let's meet that need. Right. They're here worshiping. They're here continually encouraging us. Let's encourage them. And so it's building each other up, mm-hmm. you know, in those moments of need. And I think a lot of believers can relate in the sense of there's times in our lives where we're kind of in need, where it's just not going that well. And it could be simple things that just encourage us. I mean, there's like right now with the gas prices, 
maybe there's someone in our church that's like, man, I'm having a struggle getting to work. I'm really struggling. You know, it's it's. Hey, our, do you want to carpool with me to work? Or I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity to say, how can we be creative with what we have, what what God has given us to support each other? It doesn't mean gather our resources and then the pastor or the elders decide who gets what. That's not what this is saying. Not at all. This is just saying, I'm a believer. I see someone in need. I'm going to help them. I'm going to do That's something about it. Doing. I think our congregation is really good at this. You and I have yeah, noted for a while that our congregation is very, very hardworking. Um, we are characterized as people who have servants' hearts. There's, it seems like there's always somebody bringing by produce from their garden or their farm here to the church to give to other people. It seems like there's always different farmers willing to help people out with uh, meat, you know, giving people like a quarter of a cow or half cow or whatever that might be. Um, there's always people willing to help with, you know, if there's a vehicle that needs to be in use. I could just point to countless circumstances in the last two and a half years that I've been here that our people are hardworking and we meet the needs of others. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of skills in our church. Very much people so. People who know how to do a lot of things, and they're willing to help each other out. Uh, one Self-sufficient of, people. Yeah, one of, our, one of our deacons is building a house. I hear all the time just guys from the church going over and helping, mm-hmm. right? Just because they love each other and they're friends, yeah. and they're just helping each other out. Uh, so just... Things like that where, you know, we as believers need to have an eye for the things of God and for people's needs. We should have a heart and we should be looking out. And as we we continue in verse 46, we're going to see that they have one mind. Yeah. That they're thinking the same way. So let's continue in verse 46. 46, you going to read it? Yeah. It says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved yeah they're meeting in the temple which doesn't necessarily mean that they were kicked out just yet not yet yeah not <laughs> yeah. yet they will be they had a gathering place at the moment <laughs> And it says they were breaking bread from house to house. That's an, an interesting phrase. Uh, I have a footnote here that says, in various private homes, which kind of indicates that they were welcomed in one another's homes. You and I um, love our church, and we love the home groups that take place at our church. Yeah. We do have home groups here where people gather in one another's various homes throughout the week. We, we call them sermon-based home groups where we don't discuss the sermon, but we discuss the application of the sermon in our homes throughout the midweek so we can all take ownership of it collectively through conversation. I think that's what they're doing here. It already said that they were listening to the apostles' teaching back in verse 42. So what do they have to talk about? You can better believe they're talking about all the new things that they're learning about the gospel and and they love being together. I think that's probably the biggest thing about this passage is this church obviously loves each other and loves to be with each other. And I just like this says, and having favor with all the people. We yeah, see such absolutely. a we see such a division in the gospel, right? Of of Israelites and and the Pharisees and and even amongst themselves and then Gentiles and all these things. There seems to be a lot of division where I don't think that's the mind they have anymore. Yeah. I think they have a different way of looking at all people now. Yeah. Not just Jewish people, but that they love all people because God loves all people. And so it just seems like they're starting to get it. And, and how exciting. I, re- I love seeing new believers, the light bulbs click on when yeah. you're walking through the word with them. Yes. And they're like, that's what that means. Right. Oh, I get it. And this. And then they start applying it to their life. And you can just imagine 3,000 people 
light bulbs going on and just okay. being excited about reading and, and or knowing God's word. And Jesus did that. I will. Yeah. I remember Jesus. I saw Jesus do this. I remember when Jesus was preaching over here and they're putting it all together and the apostles are doing signs and wonders from God. I mean, how exciting, what a celebration. And if you just think about any of the individuals who never had the chance to hear Jesus preach, you know, maybe a lot of these people were coming from different countries and they stayed after Pentecost. Uh, maybe they stayed for a while before they went back home. Irregardless, if you knew the apostles, you'd have the chance to ask them personally, like, okay, tell me one more time about how Jesus walked on water. Tell me one more time about how Jesus multiplied bread and fish to feed 5,000. Like, can you imagine? Maybe you didn't get a chance to see Jesus face to face, possibly, but you get a chance to interact with the apostles and follow after their leadership. That would have just been some amazing conversations to have. The apostles' teaching would not have just been like, okay, open up to this chapter in this book. That would have happened. But they were also inserting their own life experience with Jesus themselves. This church would have been booming with excitement. Yeah, I can, I can imagine Matthew, uh, you know, he, you know, looking at his gospel, he had to have been teaching those things. Or the, or the book of John, and John's over there just discipling people and teaching people and, and just excited to share with them who Jesus is. I mean, I can't imagine like just the teaching that was happening. I mean, the apostles must have just been like on fire, ready to go. I mean, they were just, they, were, they just wanted people to know who Jesus is. And I do think that that environment matches our vision for the church of yeah. living sent and performing one-to-one Bible reading where people are excited about the faith, they're discipling one another, they're they're seeing new people come in, young people come in, and there's there is everyone sees an opportunity to invest or to help somewhere. And I mean one one thing that will kill a church is if if you don't continue to look outward, you have to preserve the inward. And once you preserve the inward, you you stop giving all of of God's love and the gospel and all of your resources. You stop giving it out because really you just hold it in and there's no overflow, right? It just becomes like a dead swamp. And yet when more people are coming, like look what it says in the last phrase, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Like 3,000 souls was one thing, but notice what it says, day by day the Lord kept adding to their number. This was a church that did not remain comfortable in and of themselves. They weren't looking inward. This was a church that was looking outward and finding areas to invest in other people's lives so they could come to know Jesus and then they could go out and they could share the gospel. Yeah, we don't see mention right here of grumbling and complaining. Nope. Oh, nope, don't don't let them come in because we don't have enough bread. Right. Well, don't don't let them come in because we don't have enough space. Well, don't let them come in because uh you know, whatever circumstance, oh, we just don't have enough of that. Church planters would call that an ingrown church. No, but what did they do? They went house to house. That's right. If they didn't fit in the temple, where were they? Yep. In houses. That's right. And they kept going to houses right. and to more houses. So they didn't worry about space. They didn't worry about those things. They continued to say, we're going to grow. We're going to fellowship. God's we're going to listen to the teaching and we're going to pray and God's going to provide and not just provide for us physically and spiritually, but he's going to increase the number in those who know him. And he's going to keep sending them to us. Right. And we need to be ready to receive people, and we need to be ready to be sent out to reach people. I'm going to give you a few key words, and then I want you to try to find a few key words for this passage, too. I think a few key words for the early church here seems to be enthusiastic and willing. 
enthusiastic and willing. Is there anything that you have maybe a little different or what do you think? You know, what do you think characterizes um, the, er- the early church here as we start to close? Zeal. Yeah. Comes to mind. I mean, even talking about this in this podcast, I'm excited. Like, this is a cool church. It right? revs you up. Yeah, it gets me like, this is the church. This is how, this is what we should be doing. Not necessarily always needing to have all these, you know, to to be needing to come together and, and bring our resources together, but just the attitude of their hearts. They were glad. They were. They were glad to be doing gladness this. and sincerity of heart at the end of verse 46. They were happy. They were like, where's a need? Let's fill it. Yeah. Let's help people in the name of Jesus. There wasn't a grumbling. Yeah. Like if something needed to be done, it's just gladness and sincerity of heart. I feel like they were thinking... For one, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, which which we are today as believers. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But they they had this way of thinking that wasn't, here's a problem. Let's talk about why this problem exists. And let's complain about, uh, you know, <laughs> how it even happened in the first place and so on and so forth. They went, this is the problem. Let's here's trust the, the Lord. Let's meet it. Let's find a way. Let's be solution focused. Yeah. And let's just do what the Lord wants us to do. I like that. That's a good phrase. Solution focused. Right. That's good. Let's go after what the Lord wants us to do. And they were glad and they were sincere. They had a great attitude. Can can the church today replicate this attitude? I think so. Because yep. the church today has everything that they had. Yep. The Holy Spirit was active. That's right. They were a growing number of people who loved Jesus. And that can happen today. So we shouldn't dismiss this. There's a lot of things we can pull out of here that as the church, our attitudes, our hearts, the character of the church should be reflected out of this passage. Yeah. Yeah. There's no command in this passage directly. I do think you have commands elsewhere, like in Philippians 2, I was reading this morning where Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, um, do nothing from uh, selfishness or or empty conceit, uh, but with humility of mind regard." one another is more important than yourselves and do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also look out for the interests of others. And that is a command. So, you know, um, I don't know if there has to be a direct methodology or system, you know, ecclesiologically speaking in the church, but I do know that the command is to look after one another in the church body. And that's going to happen in various ways, but it should be done with an attitude of sincerity and gladness and devotion to the Lord and expecting God to do great things. I see that developing and growing here at Ottawa Bible. I see a lot of people excited about their faith. Uh, When you listen to the buzz on Sunday morning and people engaging in relationships, you start to see that. I think just we as Christians, we as churches have to be mindful of what an unhealthy church does. An unhealthy church complains about problems when... A healthy church finds solutions, and the Lord will honor that, and the Lord will continue to help you to be outwardly focused so that you can reach more people. That is our purpose. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. Please just share this with anybody, not because we want a bunch of downloads, because we do this because we just love the Bible, we love God, and we want people to hear it. So share it with people, BeDisciplesPodcast.com. Find it on any of our platforms, Apple, Spotify, any of the major ones, we're on there. Just share it with people. We want them to hear the gospel, the good news, which is Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and that he was resurrected on the third day and he was ascended into heaven and gave us the great commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. So 
Uh, Just continue to share this podcast for that purpose because we want people to know Jesus. Have a blessed week.